Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Well, I just believe all roads lead to God, and so the Buddhist and the Muslim and the, we'll all get there as long as you're sincere. No, no, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way to the Father except through me. No one's going to make it to heaven unless they go through me. So if you went through Buddha, you burn out. And then you're not going to make it. If you went through Allah, you won't make it. If you go through any other door, doesn't leave. It's I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. They got to come to a knowledge of the truth. Do you think that all gods are the same? All religions lead to the same place, right? In today's message, Pastor Bill answers this question with a resounding no. Allah and Buddha have very different characteristics than the God of the Bible. They are not the same. No other supposed God has died and risen to redeem our sins. Allah didn't die for us. Buddha didn't die for us. Only Jesus died for us. Let's remember any attempt to get into heaven without Jesus is a false religion, invented by man that leads us to hell. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. 1 Timothy chapter 2, um, the very first word is therefore. So whenever you see that in the word, you kind of got to take a glance backwards. It's, it's a connector. So it's like he just finished saying what he said in chapter 1. And he starts off chapter 2 saying, therefore. So the last thing we saw in chapter 1, we said, you know, 1 Timothy chapter 1, we were looking at the, the message, the church and its message. And so we were talking about the message of the church and uh, being faithful with the word and so forth and so on. As he came to the end of the chapter, Paul was telling Timothy, he said, I, I commit to you, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. He said, having faith and a good conscience, which some would have not having, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. He names these guys, Hymenaeus and Alexander. He says, who I delivered over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And he comes right and says, therefore. So the last thing we saw was Paul admonishing Timothy, hold fast, be strong in your doctrine, Timothy. Don't be waffling back and forth. You know what you believe. You got it straight from the Lord. You got it from me. Be strong with it. They're guys that have suffered shipwreck, not holding to the truth. And he says, verse one of chapter two, therefore, I exhort you. And so he's talking about warfare, waging the good warfare. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions and givings of thanks be made for all men. And so this is how it connects. Paul's telling Timothy about doctrine. And he's telling him about those that have not with a bad conscience, have suffered shipwreck and they didn't wage a good warfare, telling Timothy to wage a good warfare. Then he comes and says, therefore, and he says the words I exhort first of all. First of all means this, in order of, this is of first importance. If you're going to wage a good warfare, if you're going to hold fast, you're going to do all those things I just told you about of first importance. First of all, he says that first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving some things. So he starts speaking about prayer. This is going to be of, if you're going to live the life God's calling you to live, you're going to wage the good warfare. If you're going to stand firm on that which God is speaking to you, you need to be praying. And so he starts to speak to Timothy about prayer. He names four different uh, words. And so I want to explain each one. First of all, the word supplication, that's basically it's asking God for a definite need. So it said, first of all, that supplications It's asking God for um, maybe there are things that you're specifically seeking God for right now, asking God for a definite need that supplications be made. Then it says prayers. Uh, prayers is just general speaking to God. 
And so that there be supplications, asking God for my definite needs. There be prayers, just speaking to God in general. There be intercessions. Intercession is making requests for others. And so that there be prayers going forth for other people, other people on your heart, other people that you're aware of what their needs are. And so intercession, you're praying for others and their needs. And then it says, and a giving of thanks be made for all. Giving of thanks is basically expressing gratitude to the Lord, expressing my gratitude and my thanks and my praise to the Lord. Now, as I look at the four things, some people's prayer life looks is only supplications. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And then when you get done giving me that, give me, give me, give me some more. And so that's that's incomplete. He said, I want you to do all these things. I want there to be supplications. I want there to be just ongoing prayer where you just speak into the Lord and, and having a relationship with him. I want there to be intercessions. Do you care about other people? Are you praying for the lost around you? You're praying for those that are struggling around you. You're praying for the needs of others. Do you have a heart for people outside of you? Do you intercede? That should be a part of our prayer life. We're praying for others. And then giving some thanks. It ought to always be for the believer that whenever we come to prayer, that you shouldn't come in and you shouldn't leave out without telling God thank you for what he's already done. That should always be a part of what we're doing in our our communication. So as we commit to prayer, these will definitely be some of the things. We're going to be lifting up our specific needs. Uh, We'll have seasons of just praying and speaking to the Lord. We're going to be interceding for one another. So those that are that we're aware of, those that are present with us that have needs, we're going to intercede for one another. And we're definitely going to spend time giving thanks to the Lord, thanking him. Uh, And Paul tells Timothy, look, if you're going to accomplish what God called you to do, this is of first importance. Um, It's been said that you can do a lot of things without prayer, but you shouldn't really start anything before you pray. Um, Before you step out to do something, before you move forward, you ought to have spent time seeking God, seeking him first. Letting God give direction and instruction before you move out. And a couple of my kids feel like I don't have to read the instructions. I could just just I'm just going to open it up and start doing it. And so you start watching them do it. And it's like then the frustration starts growing. Why well, is this not working? It's not going. It's just read the instructions. Now I can just figure it out. It's not going into 30 minutes later. Just read, read, just read, the, read. It's a paper. That paper that came with you just read that. It's probably so simple. And twice I watched that unfold. Finally read it and it was like, oh, okay, (laughs) you know, and there it is. Just 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 read the instructions. Just go ahead and seek the help that's already there. And so um, some of our lives are maybe frustrated because we won't stop and seek God. We're just running forward, full steam ahead without him and things aren't going well. And you're still trying your own strength and your own might. And God saying, man, if you just talk to me, I would I would direct you just a little bit right. I tell you to do it a whole nother way. I tell you not to do it all together if you just pause and pray. And so he tells Timothy of first importance that there be prayers going forth. And then it's, it's for all men. Who are these prayers for? For everybody. For all men. Not just for my friends. Not just for me. Not just for my family. Not just for those that I love a lot and I care for deeply. For all men. For everybody. Then he goes even further in verse two to talk about who we're to be praying for. For kings and all those in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So we don't have kings per se today. What would be like a king for us? President. So those in authority, those that are the king for them would have been the person in charge. Mind you, for them, the king was Caesar, uh, was not very favorable to Christians, was not a nice guy to these people. But they were told, you guys pray for him. Pray for those that are in authority over you. Uh, pray for those that are that are set up as an authority in the earth realm. Pray for them. 
Now, I was going to say this. There's a whole lot going on right now in our culture uh, with the authorities. It might be police authorities. It could be the governmental authorities. And a lot of people have a lot of different opinions and feel some kind of way about how they do what they do and all that. So what are we supposed to? What if we don't like what they're doing? What if we don't agree? What if we think that's wrong what they're doing? As believers, what's the Bible tell us to do? Do we march? Do we go out there and ride on them? Is that what, does the Bible tell us that? You find that in your Bible? I was looking at this a couple weeks ago as I was watching everything happen. And I'm like, wow, the Bible says that we should be praying, right? If I really feel like there's just such a, it's so unjust what people are doing, God says, then, then have a prayer meeting. Because if, if my faith says, if I trust that God can work in it, that God's really in charge, right? My prayer says I still believe God is sovereign. Right. If I won't pray and I got to go do something in my own strength, I say that I'm not really looking to God. I feel like there's something we can do. If I can get enough of us together to get out there and, and, and we can stop a freeway and everything, we can get something done. God says, really? Go out there then and <laughs> see what you can do. So um, without going all political on y'all, I'm just say this as a believer. Be careful that you don't run off with what the world is doing. Be careful that, that if everybody is saying we should do this, this is what we do, that you go read your Bible. Find that in the Bible. They had injustice back here. The, the Christians were persecuted back here. God was giving them instruction when they were this real persecution, being fed to lions type persecution. I mean, they were getting jacked up all the time. And God said, hey, guys, pray for them. You guys get together and pray. Pray for them. Pray what? Pray that they would stop it. Pray that I would, you know, have my way. Pray. Get together and pray. There's power in prayer. The question is, do we believe that still? Right. Do we believe that if we get together and pray that that would be more effective than us going out in our flesh and and yelling and screaming and picketing and marching and kicking and whatever? Um, some people are mad about the government. They're mad about decisions that are being made, mad about and they talk bad about our, our government. Uh, Christians, the Bible says you're supposed to pray for them. And so I know Christians that they so disagree with administrations and what they're doing and they just talking about them on Internet, on Facebook, everywhere else, putting them down. And God said, you're supposed to be praying for them. So I would just say to us as believers what the Bible says uh, for those that are in charge, those are in authority in the earth realm um, that we're supposed to be praying. And when you see things that aren't right, it's always going to not be right. Just so you know that. Right. As long as there's man running things. Man is imperfect. We've never had righteous government in the world. You know, the last time we had righteous government is when God was, a, when there was a theocracy in Israel and God ruled and reigned. Do you know why there was no more theocracy? Because the people said, we want a king like everybody else. They dethroned God. They said to God, we don't want an invisible God. We want a king like everybody else. And the first king they got was Saul. What a joke. That's what they got. They said, God, we want a man. God said, there you go. He's tall. You know, he's 10 shoulders above everybody. There's your man. And when Goliath came out, guess who wasn't standing up? Saul. He completely chumped out. He didn't show up to the battle, was offering daughters and, and, and tax free to somebody that would go out. That's what they got. And that's what they've had ever since. Men in charge. Right. We won't have righteous government until Jesus Christ himself is ruling and reigning. So get used to injustice. It's only going to get worse. What we're supposed to do is pray. So if you're a complain, you're given to complaining and getting caught up in all the emotion of the stuff going on in our world. Be careful because you're a Christian. Be careful because you you you're in a, you're part of a kingdom that your king is not on earth. Your, your king is eternal. Right. My king is Jesus. I don't care who the president is. I don't care who's an authority in America. I don't care who the governor. I don't care who the whoever is. Right. My king is Jesus. 
He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's my king. He'll be my king for all eternity. His kingdom never ends. That's who I'm looking to. Amen. And so Paul tells Timothy, hey, we need to be praying. And he tells him why. For the king, for those that are in authority, how come? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. And that word peaceable means without contention. Um, that we, we live a life that's without, not a contentious life, that we live a life that's quiet and without contention in all godliness and reverence. That's God's will for us. Verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so here we just have a statement. God says, look, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires what? God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So just consider those that you hate. Everybody think about some group that you don't like. It might be a political group. It might be whatever. There's a group of people that you I can't stand them. And God said, I'd like you to pray for them because it's God's will. God wants to save some of everybody. So whatever that group is that you feel like I can't stand them people right there. That's not Christian. Right. I can't hold that as a believer. I should never sound like that as a Christian. I should never sound like there's a group of human beings that I, I can't stand that group. That's not Christ. God says, man, it's my desire that every man be, everybody be. I want to save some of everybody. And so we should all consider our hearts. And if there's people we have a hard time with, there are certain groups that you don't like. Maybe you grew up in a home where um, they, ain't in, they, they spoke bad about certain groups of people and whatnot. Be careful that you don't carry that on. You, you Christian now as a believer. Be careful you don't walk that into your walk with the Lord. That you don't talk like that. You don't sound like that. You don't speak to your kids like that. that you're not raising your kids to believe like that. God said, I want to save everybody. I need to have a heart for everybody. I can recognize what they are. I can recognize that's gangster. That's drunkard. That's a crackhead. That's a homosexual. That's a heterosexual sinner. That's across the board, do I love them? In Jesus, is there a heart to see them saved? God says, I want to save them. I want, and I want to do it through you. But you got to have the right heart. Right. God can't speak through someone in a loving way that I'm disgusted with. I've had to check myself on that. There are groups that I have a hard time with. And God was like, that's you. So when you get over it and get out of my way, because somebody had a hard time with what you used to be and your little group, you were. Um, so you got to get over that if we're going to be useful to the Lord. So God says, look, it's my desire that that all men, I, I, I desire all men to be saved. And this is how we get saved. We come to a knowledge of the truth. Part of being saved is coming to a knowledge of what is true. So when people are not saved, it's because they don't believe the truth. It's because they believe something that's not true. But part of someone coming to faith in Christ, part of someone actually being born again is they come to a knowledge of what is now true. And so you speak to someone, I believe everybody is child of God. Is that true? And no, no, we're not all children of God. There are some children of God and who else has some children? Satan has some children too. So we're not all just because you were born. That is, you know, some people think that. Oh, you know, we're just we're all God's kids, and we should just all just love each other, and whatever you believe is fine. No, no, no. The Bible says that Satan has some kids. So, so you got to be born again into the family of God. There's an adoption process you have to go through, and so. I uh, want to explain that to people. Well, I just believe all roads lead to God. And so the Buddhist and the Muslim and the, we'll all get there as long as you're sincere. No, no. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And there's no way to the father except through me. No one's going to make it to heaven unless they go through me. 
So if you went through Buddha, you burn out. And then you're not going to make it. If you went through Allah, you won't make it. If you go through any other door, doesn't leave. It's I'm the way, the truth, and the light. That's it. They got to come to a knowledge of the truth. So be, be mindful of that and your sharing of the gospel because that's a popular thought today in our culture. You know what? Just let them, you know, I'm fine with you believing that. You know, let me believe what I believe. No. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to be honest with you, I got to tell you the truth. Right? If, you, if you die believing that, you're not going to heaven. Won't happen. You know, it, it, you won't make it. Um, you got you, you have to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so we've been called to get out there and share the truth with people. Amen. And so verse five now says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And so this is one of the scriptures that just reminds us of who Christ is. There's one mediator between God and man, God, the father and man. Who's that mediator? Who brings the who brings the sinner into relationship with God, the father? One mediator between God and man is the man, Christ Jesus. Who did he do? Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time? He gave himself a ransom for us. He took our sins upon himself. He paid our price that what we should have paid, what we should have went through, he went through it for us, that that we could be in relationship with the Lord. That's what Jesus has done for us. Verse seven, Paul says, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. A preacher is someone that proclaims. An apostle is one that's been sent out. Paul says, I've I've been appointed to these tasks. A preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. He said, I'm a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. And then Paul says, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And he's going to go into two sections here. He's going to speak to the he's talked to us about prayer. He's talked to us about our our stance in the public and how we're supposed to be praying for those in authority over us. He's talked to us briefly about just who Jesus is. There's one mediator between God and man, how the God wants all men to be saved. And so he moves down now to what I believe is the application. How does this happen in the church realm? He's speaking to Timothy, who's going to be set up as a pastor. who's going to be overseeing a church. He says, look, what I desire is the men. Now, it's specific here. It's a definite article. When he says the men, sometimes you see the word men in the Bible. It's just speaking of mankind. But other times you see the word men is speaking of men, males. So here when he says, I desire, therefore, that the men. He's speaking about the men in the fellowship, the males in the fellowship, that this is what I want you guys to do. And I'll just say this right up front, that it's God's will in the church, in the home, that men would be the leadership, that men would lead. Men would lead in their homes. God has raised up men to lead in the church as well. And, and we'll see that as we go down. So Paul says, look, I, I want you guys to lead the way. I, I want the church to pray. I want prayers to be going forth. That I expect you guys to lead the way. I desire, therefore, he says, that the men pray everywhere, everywhere, where, where, where the church is gathering. We're getting I, I desire that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Paul says, look, I'm looking to the men to be the ones to, to lead in this way. That you guys would be the ones leading the way. That, that at, at the prayer gatherings, that the men would be the ones. You guys would lead that gathering. You guys would be the one leading the way in that way. It should be the same way in the Christian home. Um, God has given the husband and wife. God's given the husband the leadership role in the home. Um, these are difficult things. They're only difficult because of the culture in which we live right now. 
We live in a culture right now where everybody wants to change everybody's role. A guy can be a girl, a girl can be a guy, a wife can be a man. Everybody can do everybody's role. God says, no, you can't. Not so. The man's role, very definitive, right? In the home, God's called men to lead. Um, he's called us to lead in a certain kind of way in the home. He says to the husband in, in Ephesians 5, the husband to lead, how? Like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. We're to lead in a loving, sacrificial way. Not in a domineering, macho, you know, chauvinistic, I'm the man, bake my chicken and my grits. Not that kind of thing. But in a, I mean, everywhere Jesus tells men what to do, he says, do it like I did it, right? Husbands, love your wives. How? Like I love the church and gave myself for it. Wow. So like that. Love them with love them with that kind of love. Love them unconditionally. Love them sacrificially. Love them to the point where I'll take the hit. I'll die in their place. Love them like that, he says. Look at how Jesus dealt with the church. Patient with us. Loves on us. He don't beat us. He's not harsh towards us. Um, understanding of our weaknesses, so forth and so on. God says, that's what I want the husband to be. That's how I want men to lead. Now in the church, though, God has said there's different roles. I, I haven't made men and women the same. And I don't care what the world says. I don't care what you know, the society is teaching us right now. God has not made men and women the same. We are different from the get-go, right? From the very get-go, we're not the same. God didn't make me like my wife, and I praise God because I wouldn't want to be married to one of me. Um, he made her different, different in her nature, different in her makeup, different in her body, different in every way. God made us different, but we complement wonderfully. God made those two differences to come together and complement. When, when the idea came, right, there is in Genesis, everything God made was good, right? He made the trees, it was good. The water, it was good. The bodies of water, the animals, everything was good. And in Genesis 2.18, it says, God looked down at Adam by himself. And it says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Look at that, brother, all by himself. The hippopotamuses in couples, the giraffes in couples, the monkeys in couples, Adam by himself. And it's the first thing God made and said, that's not good. And so it says, God said, I'll make him a helper comparable to him. And so the whole God made woman to do what? To come alongside man and do what? Help him. Not to lead him, not to dominate him, not to whip him into shape, but to come alongside. He already had a job. He already had a task. I'm going to make him a helper that's comparable to him. She's going to come alongside him and help him. That's, that's what God intended from the very get-go. And it got spun out there and it spun out now. We'll see as we go. So men lifting up, I want men praying everywhere. So I am exhorting the men that you guys would be in prayer. Not just when we gather. I, I'm encouraging you guys to take up the leadership of your home. Make sure that your home is praying. You make sure. Don't wait for her to say, hey, can we pray? If you only pray when your wife is exhorting you, can you, can you lead us in prayer? If your wife's always begging you to come pray, Turn that around. Lead the way. Say, hey, let's get the kids together. Have a holy huddle. Gather everybody together. And it, I mean, it, just, it don't take very much to get everybody together and say, let's pray together. Let's ask God some stuff together. One of the benefits if you do that with your family is you guys will see God move together. My wife and I learned that, that, that me and her would pray about things, but the kids are left out. We need to bring them in. Let's let them be involved in some of these prayers. So then when God's answering, they're able to say like, wow, they're seeing God answer prayer. They're seeing God move in that way. So I'm exhorting husbands. If you don't lead the way in your home in that way, I'm not beating you up. I'm building you up. Take the leadership of that. Um, I, I doubt most of your wives, I don't want to pray with you. And if they do, 
It could happen. Maybe you've been that bad. You know, uh, you just you can just pray a quiet prayer. You know, I'm going to pray in silence. But seek to lead your family in that way, men. And so he said, I desire the men. Uh, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Thank you for joining us today on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're so glad you took the time to be here. Pastor Bill is diving into the book of 1 Timothy, a letter Paul wrote to the young pastor with words of wisdom on how to lead. Paul taught Timothy to serve in humility by sharing his own story of salvation. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly and in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. There is no quicker antidote to pride than to look at who you were when Jesus found you. As you guide people to Jesus, remember where you were and be open with your story. The world doesn't need a perfect leader. It needs humble people to lead them to the Savior. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Did you want to hear more from Pastor Bill or listen to today's message again? You can find today's message and many others on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to do some deeper study for yourself, we have a daily Bible reading plan you can join in on with us. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll be back right here next time for more in the book of 1 Timothy on A Transforming Word.